Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that you're able to connect with us this weekend at New Beginnings Church Online. Last weekend, we started part one of this two-part series with the statement, don't let what you see make you forget what he said. We talked about Joseph. We talked about Abraham and David and all the circumstances that they had to endure through their lives. And if they had allowed themselves to be discouraged by the obstacles that had been thrown at them, they would have never fulfilled God's plan for their lives. Later in life, David wrote this Psalm, Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14 goes on to say, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David is saying, look, I'm not waiting to get to heaven for me to see the goodness of God. He made the declaration, I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, right here, right now. There are specific promises that God has made to us that pertain to life here on earth. We should not entertain the thoughts, well, I'll just wait till I get to heaven. We'll wait and see what happens when I get there. That's not, that's not God's plan for our lives. Remember this statement from last week. In uncertain times, two voices are competing for your attention. Number one is God's promises. Number two is life's circumstances. And so last week, and we wrapped up part one with the realization that Israel itself, the Israelites themselves, had allowed all that they saw to cause them to forget who God said they were. On their way to the promised land, God had reminded them that he was giving them a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a prosperous land, very different from what their experience had been for generation and generation and generation back in Egypt. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, this is, what it, this is how it reads. So shall it be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful land, a beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He made this promise to them. He made them fully aware that the land that they were going to was a land that was very different than the land of bondage that they had been in Egypt. They were going to occupy cities they hadn't built. They were going to move into homes that they didn't have to fill. They were going to drink water from wells that they never even had to dig. They were going to eat from vineyards and olive trees that they never planted, never had to cultivate. Everything was going to be there for them. The tremendous promise that God made to them. They knew exactly what he had promised, yet they allowed what they saw to extinguish their hope. In Numbers chapter 13, we read of the account of God giving instruction to Moses to send individuals, send one man from each tribe to go and spy out the land that they were going to go into so that they would see beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was exactly the way God had explained it to them. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, just send a man, every one a leader among them. 
So the men went into Canaan and they spied out the land. And indeed, they saw indeed that it was exactly like God said. It was a, man, a land that was just prosperous, flowed with milk and honey. Everything they needed was there. And so we skip down to verse 27. Then they, the spies, told him, said, we went to the land where you, where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They brought back tremendous, beautiful, big, gigantic fruit like they have never seen before. And they brought back samples so that people would see it. Then verse 28, they begin to turn the mood. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. This should have been a surprise to them. God had already spoken to them. Back in Exodus chapter 3, he said, you're going there. It's a prosperous land. These people are there now, but I'm giving you the land. It should have been no surprise that they saw these tribes there. The Lord had already said it was theirs. But the circumstances that surrounded them, the circumstances that confronted them, these large cities with large walls, giants, tribes inhabiting the land, those circumstances caused them to forget what God said about that land. We skip down to verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for you're well able to overcome it. Caleb's like, don't, don't, don't look at the tribes. Don't look at the large cities. Don't look, at, don't look at the walls. Don't look at the negative circumstances. Do not look at the obstacles. He's saying, let's go right now. He recognized that the report that these men were bringing back was going to affect two and a half million people. He, they could not put aside the circumstances. The circumstances were screaming loudly to them and they chose to side with the circumstance instead of reminding them all that God had promised them. Caleb says, let's go up at once. Let's go right now. Let's go take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Overcome what? The obstacles. You and I have to make that same determination in life. We're facing obstacles. We're facing circumstances. They're screaming in our face right now that life is never going to be the same. Things are different. Everything is upside down. And if you're not careful, and if you're not aware and alert, you can cause those circumstances to make you forget what God has said. But there's a greater danger, and that's what I want to address in this part two of this two-part series. Verse 31 says this, but the men who had gone up with him, the other 10 spies, said this, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. The circumstances caused them to come to the wrong conclusion. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land which you have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, a complete fabrication, a complete exaggeration. And all the people we saw were men of great stature. And we saw the giants here, the descendants of Anak, these men are giants. And look at the conclusion they came to. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. They sealed their doom when they sided with the circumstance instead of reminding themselves that God had said that the land was theirs. Let me ask you this question. Are you becoming so preoccupied with your setbacks 
that you can't even imagine a comeback. They, they allowed the circumstances to speak so loud to them, they could not even imagine themselves actually getting their army together, getting their supplies, their resources, their weapons. They couldn't even imagine them crossing back over into that land. They had totally convinced themselves that they were not strong enough to the point where they began to see themselves as grasshoppers. That is pitiful. And the dangerous thing about that is that when you allow circumstances to speak loud in such a way where you stop seeing yourself in reality and start seeing yourself diminished, then every enemy that you have will see you in that same light. Every obstacle will speak loud to you and will speak to you as if you're a grasshopper. Have you forfeited your God-given identity because the circumstances of life are overwhelming? Because that's exactly what they did. They forfeited their God-given identity because they allowed the circumstances to speak louder than what God said. The Apostle Paul wrote this. It's recorded for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For our light affliction, is, 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 which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see, circumstances, if you put them in the right position, though God did not cause them, God will use them to work things in you, to work faith in you, to work patience in you, to work tenacity, that bulldog attitude in you. He goes on to say, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Circumstances are natural, therefore they're temporary. Who God said you are in the scriptures, in the word of God, is an eternal thing. It is not temporary. Therefore, what God said about you is eternal. The circumstances you are facing are temporal. They will pass. You will endure if you stand strong. What had God said about them? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God establishes man's identity. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. There's our identity is established. We're not grasshoppers. We are created in the image and likeness of God, and God is not a grasshopper. God is not minuscule. God is almighty. God is all-powerful, and his spirit lives inside of us. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's where we draw our identity from. Verse 28 says this, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion, dominion, lordship over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, of every living thing that moves on the earth. You and I were created to have dominion. You, were, I were, you and I were created in a position of authority. It carries responsibility with it. And that responsibility is this, not to let the circumstance determine our identity. You know, it's interesting. If you read Genesis chapter one, uh, everything that God created, he declared to be good. But when God created mankind, he created them in his image, God-like, exact likeness, all the attributes of God himself. 
and then he blessed them. When he created everything else, he said it was good. But when he created man, he blessed them. There's a distinction there. And Satan came along. And just like all those circumstances were screaming to the Israelites, Satan came along and insinuated that Adam and Eve had been created deficient. Not like God's image. In fact, he used that lie to tempt Eve to disobey God by eating the fruit that God had forbidden. Genesis 3, 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, of that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Whenever you and I believe the lies of the enemy, we suffer loss of identity and confusion sets in. And that's exactly what happened with, with, with Eve, with Adam and Eve. Confusion set in. They, they believing the lie, it caused them to lose sight of the fact that they had already been created in the image and likeness of God. The enemy came after the very thing that was so important to the future of mankind. He caused Adam and Eve to forget that they had already been created in the image and likeness of God. There were times when the enemy comes through accusation, through intimidation, screaming through circumstances, and circumstances start talking to your, your, they get in your head, and you start doubting, am I really born again? Am I really a Christian? Am I really a child of God? If I were to die tonight, would I truly be in heaven? Those are all lies of the enemy. They are temporary, circumstantial, just statements of the enemy, seeds of doubt to try to cause you to forget who you are. Do not let what you see, what you hear, cause you to forget who he said you already are. They lost their God-given identity. Israel did the same thing. They allowed the sight of these large cities. They, they allowed the sight of all these people that lived in the land to cause them to not only forget what God had said that he had given them already, but more tragically, what they saw caused them to forget who God said they were. Again, back to Numbers 13. They saw themselves like grasshoppers. And then they realized that because of the stance that they had taken, that they'd seen themselves as little helpless grasshoppers, their enemies now seized that and now began to not only see them like grasshoppers, but intimidate them like grasshoppers. Ask yourself this question. Have you allowed circumstances in your life to turn you into a grasshopper? Because if you have, your enemy is seeing you that same way. You and I need to hold on to what God said about us. We cannot allow ourselves to be robbed of our identity. And let's talk about that. What has God said? In general terms, what has God said about us, about our identity? Number one, you're a child of God. Because you received Jesus as your Savior and you believe in his name, how can I document that? Where is my proof? Where is my evidence? John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You, my friend, have been born of God. Don't ever let the enemy rob you of that identity. You are a child of God. And you didn't become a child of God because your parents were Christians, your grandparents were Christians. You became a child of God because you placed your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you received him 
as Savior. You received him as the Son of God. That's your identity. Number two, you are the righteousness of God, just like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, his death on the cross, his great exchange, he took our sin so that we could take his righteousness. Do not lose sight of that. No matter what circumstance, no matter what's going on in your life, you may say, but pastor, you don't know, you don't know. I've, I've just been stuck in sin lately. I just, I'm not, I'm not acting like a Christian. Uh, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I don't know. How is it possible? No, no. You didn't gain your righteousness by being good. You were placed in a position of righteousness. Don't let the enemy rob that from you. Don't let the lies of what he's saying, don't let his accusations cause you to start speaking the wrong identity. And the worst thing you could do is to start walking around saying, well, you know, once, one time I was saved, but you know what? I fell, I got back into sin. Uh, no, no, you didn't lose your salvation because of that. You might have lost your awareness of it, but God made you righteous. Your good works didn't make you righteous. And I hope that you hold on to that. You are a special order of being. We're talking about our identity now. Number one, we're a child of God. Number two, you are the righteousness of God because he placed you in that position. Number three, you are a special order of being with a purpose that touches lives, people's lives for all of eternity. All of eternity. The effect we have on people's lives lasts for eternity. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. Listen to this closely. This is an exciting verse of scripture. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his, God's own special people. For what reason? That you may proclaim the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We, you, we were once not a people, but now we are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. So who am I? I am a chosen person. I am part of the royal priesthood. I am part of a holy nation. I am a special individual, not because of who I am, but because who God has made me. And what is the reason for that? Why do I need to cling to that identity? Why do I need to make sure that the enemy never robs me of that identity? Why? Because I was once not a people, but now I am a people. I have once had no mercy, but now I have mercy for this reason, that I may proclaim the praises of him who called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And when we walk in the knowledge of that, you start to affect the people around you. And that effect lasts for all of eternity. So for the sake of those people who need to come to Christ, you cannot afford to let go of your identity. Don't you dare allow the circumstances of life to rob you of who you are. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You have a message to proclaim. Do not let the circumstances rob you of that promise. Jesus said about us that we are the salt that preserves and we are the light that dispels darkness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, this is the exact statement that Jesus made. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Don't lose your identity of being salt, Jesus is saying. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, 
and it gives light to all who are in the house. You are the light of your world. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. We are salt that preserves. We are light that dispels darkness. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose your light. You are the church, the body of Christ on the earth. Let's talk about that even more. I want to unpack that more because for some reason here in, in, in America, in the United States, the American church, when you mention the word church, you usually think about a building, stained glass windows, a steeple, a cross, bells. That is the building where the church meets. The church are the people inside. You are the church. I am the church. And that is the one identity that the enemy goes after the most because he hates the church that walks in its God-given identity. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus, in a conversation, asked the disciples, who, who do people say that I am? And this one said this, and this one said that, and this one said the other thing, and I wish you would read the beginning of the chapter because it's really good. Peter, out of nowhere, declares, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it, it must have even taken him by surprise. And Jesus says to him, verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and, and on this rock, the realization of who Christ is, I will build my church. In other words, I will, I'm going to build a group of individuals. I'm going to call out this group of individuals from the world. And when they identify themselves as the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, upon that rock of revelation, that rock, that foundation in our lives, that he is Lord, he is the Son of God, he is the one who went to the cross on my behalf and paid for my sins. He's the one who rose again from the dead. I receive him into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Upon that revelation, Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Against what? The church. And I will give you the keys. There's keys that we have to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is the identifying mark of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church that is the governing body on the earth on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. The Greek word is ekklesia, or ekklesia, however you want to say it. The ruling authority of the kingdom of God on the earth. The gates of hell refers to the headquarters of hell. The place where the gates in the city were the place where the leaders came, the elders came. It was a place where they conducted business on behalf of their community. It's where the decisions were made that were going to affect everyone in that city or in that village. So when Jesus mentioned the gates of hell, he's talking about the headquarters of darkness, the place where decisions are made for the kingdom of the enemy. And he's saying, those gates, those headquarters, whatever decisions, whatever conspiracies are hatched, whatever plans are made to attack you, he said, because you're the church, those places of decision-making, those places of authority in the kingdom of darkness cannot prevail against you. Doesn't, he didn't say they weren't going to try. He didn't say there wouldn't be any attacks. He didn't say there wouldn't be circumstances to deal with. He said this, they can't prevail. They can't overcome. They can't overwhelm. 
Jesus said this, that we are the governing representatives of the kingdom of God on the earth. He's holding you and I responsible for what happens here. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? I can say it very easily because it's scriptural. He gave the keys to the kingdom, to the church. He gave the ability to take authority over the kingdom of darkness, to stop the devil in his tracks, to bind with chains all that the enemy would try to do against the church and against mankind. When we lose that identity, people suffer. Jesus said, we are the ones. We are the governing representatives. We are, the ecclesia was a called out assembly of individuals that would come together in any city and they would be the ones to make the decisions to, to rule and to reign. That group of individuals called the shots. It is no coincidence that Jesus used that terminology. It's no coincidence that the Holy Spirit has, has held on to that for us all these thousands of years. So that we today would know, what is my identity? What is the identifying mark of the church? The identifying the mark of the church is this, that we have the ability to bind Satan's efforts on this earth. We have the ability to release what the kingdom of God has in store for mankind and for the church on this earth. We do that individually as members of the church, members of the body of Christ. Jesus here on the earth. He gave us the keys to the kingdom. Keys indicate authority. Those who hold the keys have the power. And the church is supposed to be the entity calling the shots on the earth. But many are allowing circumstances to, of, of the circumstances of life, circumstances of this pandemic, circumstances of the economy, circumstances of strife and division to rob them and to neutralize them of the power of binding and loosing. And I tell you this, with all that I can muster in my heart. When the church forgets what we're supposed to do, when the church forgets who we are, people suffer on the earth. You are the salt. You are the light of the world. You are the chosen generation. You are the church seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And from that position, seated in heavenly places, you and I are supposed to operate out of our identity in Christ. And we are supposed to issue commands. We are supposed to bind the enemy. We are supposed to release the peace of God. We are supposed to hear from God and speak into the earth. That is the identifying mark of the very much alive, spirit-empowered church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not a social club. If you forget this, the rest of the world is lost. If you forget this, oppression will go on and injustice will run rampant. If you forget that you have the authority and that God is holding you responsible and me responsible, to take authority over the spiritual forces behind everything that is harming people right now. If you forget that, oppression will continue. Injustice will run rampant. Freedom will be lost. The gospel will be suppressed. Children will go on being trafficked, brutally abused and murdered. Women will go on being sold into slavery and the poor will continue to starve and go homeless. The empowered church is the only hope for this world. And the enemy of our souls is going to do his best to shut down the voice of the church. 
Even some misled Christians go around saying stuff like, there's no use fighting against this. There's no use. After all, you know, the Bible did say that it's going to get bad. Yeah, yeah, the Bible said that. And the Bible said it's going to get worse. But it doesn't mean that the church throws in the towel. And it doesn't mean that it has to happen now. We have the ability to push back evil. We have the ability to gain more time. Don't let the circumstances that you're seeing cause you to forget who you are. The enemy takes advantage of that. The enemy is counting on the church forgetting who it is so that he can run free across the earth doing whatever he wants, murdering, oppressing, bringing disease, disaster, bringing economic failure, bringing poverty, violence, That's what happens when the church forgets who it is. It doesn't have to happen now. You and I have the ability to push back evil and to gain more time to reach the lost. Stop letting your circumstances cause you to be powerless. Jesus said you are more than conquerors. He gave us his weapons. He gave us the word. He gave us his name. We have the power of his blood to enforce the kingdom of God. Rise up, church. Our finest days are up ahead. Look to that which is eternal. The kingdom of God wins. Start acting like the church. Don't let what you see make you forget who you are. For the sake of all you love, stop believing the lies of the enemy. Stop speaking from your feelings and your emotions and begin to speak from the foundation of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. What you're seeing and what's affecting your emotions is natural. It's going to pass. And guess what? There'll be a new crisis next time. There'll be something else that rises up to pull on your emotions, to get you to think out of your feelings, out of your hurts, out of your disappointments, out of your frustration, and to begin to get you to pull back and pull back and pull back rather than marching forward. We are called to be a militant army of individuals under the power of the Holy Spirit to affect this earth for the kingdom of God. That's the identifying mark of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop believing the lies. Even as Caleb said, we are well able to overcome all the circumstances that the enemy throws at us. Shake yourself free out of this slumber. Take up your sword, sword of the spirit and the word of God and use it against the enemy of your soul. Stop allowing your family to be devoured. Stop allowing your friends, coworkers to be sucked into this paralyzing fear that is trying to overtake this land. Be the church. Pick yourself up. I know it's been tough. It's been tough for all of us. But dear God, let's shake off the dust. Let's shake off the slumber. Let's, let's reignite that fire on the inside. And let's go forth and walk out on our identity of who Christ called us to be, who he died for. Let's go get and let's go rescue the lost. There are people that are crying out, asking God to send somebody to help them. If you're going to be a grasshopper in your own sight, you'll always be a grasshopper in the sight of the enemy. But I tell you, rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up. Let it just come up from the inside of you. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, rise up mightily on the inside of me. Cause me to have the attitude and the spirit of a warrior. There are people that need to be rescued. I pray this message has stirred you up. 
I pray that I've been able to convey to you everything that I'm feeling on the inside. Yes, it can be tiresome. Yes, we're in uncertain times. It seems like everything's upside down, but it doesn't have to stay this way. The earth, its inhabitants are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Rise up, child of God. Rise up, mighty warrior. Be salt, be light, be rescuers. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that everything that I've been able to share here, Father, would have an impact on every single one of us, God. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Father, you would cause us to rise up on the inside, Lord God. You would cause us to see accurately. You would cause us to hear accurately. You will cause us, Father, to, to receive a boldness like never before. You said the righteous are bold as lions. We trust you to do these things in our lives, Father. We understand, God, that this nation and the rest of this planet, Father, right now is at the mercy of the kingdom of darkness. But I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that there be a mighty move of your spirit, that would cause the church to rise up like never before. And that we would beat back the darkness with the power of the word of God, the name of Jesus and the power of the blood. I pray this in Jesus' name. And I'm believing you, God, for the manifestation of this all across this nation. In every church, in the heart of every believer all over the world, that we would rise up with unity of purpose, God, and put the enemy to flight. We trust you for these things, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Do not let your identity be robbed. It costs Jesus his blood for you and I to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.